Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 128. This interview is with Pierre-Louis Assayag, co-founder and CEO of Tracker, a solution for brands to help find, engage, and leverage influencers. In this interview, we talk about the evolution of influence marketing, the challenges of engaging influencers, and tackling the internal challenges of optimizing influencer program within brands. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. So uh, with me in my office in Paris, I have Pierre-Louis. So Pierre-Louis, tell us who you are, what you do, as uh, my friend Mitch Jolloy says, and what explain to us what is your mindset? Hi there. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm Pierre-Louis. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Tracker based out of San Francisco. Um, and my mindset today, actually, uh, let me respond in two folds. I'm actually upset today because of events happened in Paris yesterday. I'm actually quite pissed about it. Um, and, um, and very sad for the French people. And I'd say the liberté d'expression, as we say in French. Uh, totally crazy. My overall mindset prior to the past 24 hours uh, and hoping in the future is really that I'm, uh, I'm excited about um, the space that we're in of the, the changes happening in, uh, in marketing and just being a, an agent of change. Love it. So agent of change, Pierre-Louis, a tracker. So tracker is a tool that helps to understand this world of influence marketing. So tell us a little bit more about what tracker, a tracker is. For sure. Tracker is an influencer management platform. So more and more brands have figured out that they need to go way beyond the old school uh, push media uh, into having their brands live organically online and offline. And we're one of the tools that help them do this by uh, catering to their influencers. So they're key stakeholders for a brand, the ones that move the needle for them, that make or break a story or a product, that their opinion leaders on certain issues says that they care about. What's interesting about that is that we're, in, in a sense, we're talking about organic. And when one talks about organic, one is sort of saying, well, we don't want to go through click per cost, um, CPC or Google or Facebook to pay for it. We want it to come organically. At the same time, we still have to pay for it in the end of the day. And, and the thing I keep on hearing is that we have, we're, we're, people are creating content. We wanted to get it out. And... Uh, how do we get the content out? To what role? What role does Tracker have in that? Well, so I, th- I think it actually goes way beyond uh, creating content for a brand. That's that's a piece of the story. The the real thing is, if you're a brand, you want certain stories to come out, whether or not they come from you or somebody else. In some ways, doesn't really matter to the extent that the story comes out. People, it's top of mind for people because if they do, then your products sell. Um, so Tracker comes into play by making sure that. Brands get a chance to participate in the right type of conversations, contribute their content when meaningful, uh, but also feed assets into other people's content and promote other people in order to make these stories bigger. And if they do and they have the right uh, products associated to the right set of issues, Mm -hmm. then they're gold. In in the right context. So influence marketing is not a new term, uh, but at the same time, it's still not a mature term. 
How would you describe uh, where we are in influence marketing or the definition of influence today where, versus, you know, let's say 10 years ago? And, and, and Tracker was started when? We started Tracker in 2009. 2009, okay. Um, and we were actually early to the influence marketing um, market. We were just the first one on deck to start building the category from a provider standpoint. That said, and to your point, influencer marketing is really not new. It's held many, many names uh, in the past, but it, in, in many ways it, it precedes mass media. Mm-hmm. And the idea that getting your key stakeholders to carry your story because they have more authority, bigger microphones than you do, is really not new. It's, it's humanity in many ways. Right. Word of mouth uh, the old way. Absolutely. And so, so what's happened over the past um, few years is really two, two uh, combining factors, both driven by technology. One is the decay of the old push methods that don't work nearly as much as they used to. Um, and if you talk to all possible brands out there, they will tell you that they're slashing media budgets because they just don't see the return anymore. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that it's replaced, and as, as Google would present it, by a new world where you have the zero moment of truth, where people make buying decisions before even meeting uh, someone in the point of sale or watching an ad on TV or elsewhere. And so it's really scary for brands because if you leave it at that, you really lost your ability to, to impact uh, and to push your products. So what do you do then? Then the, what you're left with is uh, doing more inbound marketing, doing things where you're trying to participate in the right conversations to influence the people who are influencing your buyers. So influence has, is, is evolving. It's becoming a little bit more sophisticated. But how do, how do you find, or how does Tracker help, if you will, but how do you find brands are maturing in their evaluation of success when it comes to influence marketing? So it used to be, in our early days, very, very um, uh, unsophisticated. And very often, one would associate influence to uh, someone's Twitter network or Facebook um, Facebook following. And this is just wrong. Uh, and I, I, the, the, the example I, I like to use that usually resonates with people is that uh, even though Justin Bieber has one of the largest following on Twitter, is uh, hardly influential on anything but recreational drugs. Um, so what that, that, so that, that was influence a few years ago where brands were just trying to replicate the old model with a new technology and it does not work. Where we've seen... Uh, what we've seen over the past few years happen, which and it's really to our delight, is the understanding by brands that influence is, driv- is driven by context. And if you talk to the right people at the right time around the right topic set, the right issue set, uh, with the right intent, then you can be successful. Um, but it's driven by context. So influence is absolutely contextual. And that understanding is new. Right, so when we're talking about creating that or finding the right context, what are the what are the keys to success? You're going to your brand, hey, listen, we want to be influential on this particular this topic. What are the what what needs to happen in inside of the company in order for this contextual influencing marketing to be successful? Well, I think it starts from um, an inward perspective from a brand on what is it that you stand for. Uh, and as I tell my clients, if you don't know that, then you have a bigger issues than your influence strategy. Going back to Justin Bieber, Paul. Exactly. 
So figure out what you stand for. Once you've identified your, your values, then you know right away which conversation you'd like to be a part of, you'd like to be mentioned in. Mm -hmm. And then you go and find who are the influential people in that specific context. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, the topical context. Then when it comes to the relationship building with influencers or the engagement, there's another set of context uh, that comes into play that is extremely important that, that ties to um, timing, geography, and language. So in order to get in front of the right people at the right time, you need to figure out when you're relevant to them about what. And this is also where we can help. Mm. All right. So, uh, you know, I've had a chance to work with, play with Tracker, especially when I was working with uh, NetExplo on, on new technology influencers. And one of the things that I, I came across was the challenge of finding influencers around the world because you, you, there are things like challenges with language. Well, you know, and then some areas may be, in new technologies, some areas are more advanced than others. So how do you go, how do you go around fixing or solving those kind of problems with the, the stumbling blocks of finding the right influencers, engaging with them, especially on a worldwide level? So I, I, I'd say it, it really depends on, on the, the context for the, the challenge that you're mentioning. If, uh, if someone is, is uh, uh, genuinely a global influencer brand, so to speak, then you ought to map your organization challenges to who that person is. It doesn't matter that you're responsible for UK market. If that person influences uh, folks in the US, Korea, you know, Korea uh, that's the way it goes. And you need to work hard internally on fixing your stumbling blocks mm -hmm. to actually address that person in a, in a holy uh, view. Now, if you're looking at someone globally because you have a hard time finding the right person locally, then it's a technology problem on our side that we've solved, uh, I would say now, where the, when you look for influencers in Tracker, they're driven by uh, topical context, but then we help you filter down that list of influencers by social demographics, by geography, by language. Mm -hmm. So you can actually hone in on the very people you're looking for mm -hmm. locally. All right, now let's talk about the uh, challenge with engaging with influencers. Let's say we've identified them. Well, actually, there's another question before that, which is you might, you, you're, you want, you're selling, let's say, a car. How do you know – what, what types of ways do you find the right influencers? In other words, you know, people who are enthusiastic about cars is sort of an easy step. But you know, maybe that's sort of a boring one, and there's probably every single car manufacturer doing the same thing. So how do you try and articulate a, a stronger, more complementary group? There's actually a great case study uh, in Tracker that we did. It was our very, very first project uh, that we did as a company. That's the one that really made us feel that, that we were working on something really important. Uh, when Honda UK launched the Insight, their first hybrid car in the UK market, at a time when they were closing a factory in the UK, slashing media budgets, and we just came in at the, at the right time with an alternative strategy to this. Um, and what they did is they used Tracker to find their traditional car influencers to promote the car as well as new energy influencers. Um, came back to us saying the, these car influencer people, they work great. We offer them a test drive. It works out awesome. With the uh, new energy people doesn't work out so well, and we don't know why. And we told them, well, why don't you talk to them? They did and found out that a lot of people were actually using bicycles, not cars, and not very interested in test driving anything, the really. Greener, the greener people. Exactly. Um, and so Honda at that point came to the realization that going to influencers with a, with a pre-baked cookie-cutter 
approach does not work. It needs to be contextual as well. So what they did with this group of people was actually to invite a handful of them in, in their R&D facilities in Japan, uh, got them to play the open kimono, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, policy with them, show them the research process they were working on. They got a lot more mileage out of these contacts and influencers and the, the outcome that came out of it than they did out of car people because they work backwards from what these influential people were wanted to talk about. They were interested in these stories. And that goes to the core of uh, meaningful engagement with influencers. It's contextual. If you talk to an influencer about something they care about at the time they care about it, then you will be relevant to them. And that's the start of a good relationship. In my experience, L'Oreal, and in my current world and mindset, I see that those kind of opportunities of uh, opening the kimono to, let's say, bloggers, people of influence. At the same time, for some companies, opening the kimono, showing my R&D, you might as well be brutally raping me as far as you know my privacy, my most confidential IP. You know, how can I have anyone in there? They're going to steal stuff. They're going to know stuff that they shouldn't be knowing. So, to what extent do you find you're accompanying the companies? to understand how to get that superior engagement that goes through sometimes veils or closed uh, mentalities? Well, f- for sure, it depends on, on the, the, the internal context of a, of a firm, right? Um, however, what I would say is that there's always a story worth telling for these influencers and always a, a, a setup that works. Other example, cell phone manufacturer, uh, client of ours, actually delayed the launch on one of their phones out of, uh, uh, of a workshop they did with influencers pre-launch from which they got really horrible feedback mm-hmm. on the prototypes that they presented. <clears throat> there was no press out of it. The influencers actually signed an NDA that they, where they, they were not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they delayed the launch by a year and managed since to do a very successful launch with that exact same product. And by the way, integrating the feedback of these influencers and getting their biggest fans now who right. felt like they were part of the of the marketing product strategy, mm-hmm. uh, be very successful in that launch. But for other companies, do you come up against a lot of closed feelings about opening it up to the bloggers in the world? F- for sure. And I think, it again, it depends on the space. There is always... Uh, groups in a company that are more ready than others and always issues that are easier to discuss. Very often we get, um, we get that, that line or that pushback uh, on, in, you know, uh, pharma is a great example, right? Mm-hmm. Super, super secret regulatory. industry, very regulatory. However, we have great clients in pharma. They don't talk about their product. They can't. But they talk about obesity. They talk about diabetes and, and how to help patients mm-hmm. live through these, uh, these diseases. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, then their product becomes relevant. They don't even need to do, go that extra mile to discuss the, you know, whatever molecule they assemble mm-hmm. to, uh, to build new products. It's, it strikes me listening to you, Pierre-Louis, that you need to get into the minds, the pain points, the, the issues that are going through the customer's mind and once you're in that, then you're able to, and the same for an influencer, by the way, if their influencer has pain points or issues or, you know, objective strategies that they're trying to achieve, if you can uh, slot in with those, then your product sort of falls out normally at the end. You're absolutely right. And one big thing that we've observed uh, over the past year or so is a realization by some of the more, I'd say the more advanced brands out there that communication is going upstream. 
uh, and is going into communicating about brand values and issue sets and having a really strong stand on what that company stands for and participating into that conversation to uplift a debate mm -hmm. and having the faith that if they do that right, then the product is going to sell itself. Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> what do you stand for? I love that moniker or at least that question. Do you find, Pierre-Louis, in, in, with Tracker, you presumably have clients around the world. You find there's a, a different reception to that in different countries? Do you find the notion of, you know, why do we exist? The mission of a company resonates more in certain countries or certain sectors more than others? Is there any way that you feel any categorization there? So it's, it's a very interesting question, and I think that every single time that I've tried to predict the future from that viewpoint, I've been wrong. Uh, when we first launched Tracker, we said uh, it's mostly American, and then we started doing great in Europe, and then we said it's mostly B2B, and starting getting clients like Coke and Starwood and you know other really large brands on the B2C side. So I really don't think at this stage that there's I, – I can – gauge this categorization either by geography, we have clients in 38 countries, or by vertical because we have clients in I don't know how many industries. But much more about the brands and inside the brands, the maturity of the executive team and the marketing team in being willing to challenge themselves in just thinking about the future rather than how many products are going to sell next quarter. Mm, I love that. So it's really actually almost a question of personality of the people in front of you rather than the, the, the industry or the product they're selling. Absolutely. I'd like to, to go back to something you said that I think is really important uh, for, your, uh, for your community to, uh, to really hear, is that you have to be, as a, as a brand manager, as a marketer, to be in the mind of your, your customers and understand how they function. It has nothing to do with influencer marketing, really. I mean, it's just yeah. what you got to do. If you're not doing this well, you're not, you're not a really good marketer. What really good influence marketers are doing is that they understand that these influential people, by just the fact that they've crafted this community that listens to them for whom they're an opinion leader uh, and that they're being looked up to uh, from, they, they've created this community where they're actually a great proxy to reading the minds mm -hmm. of your constituency, of your audience. Mm -hmm. they're, and, and they're not a proxy, but also upfront. I mean, they're, they're usually ahead of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they help shape these opinions. Um, and it's almost – for, for marketers, when you think about influence marketing, you're shifting the media risk in some ways. Mm -hmm. Where in the past, you have – when you buy media, and I used to do this back in the days, mm -hmm. you buy media, you have a lot of certainty on the outcome up to the point of distribution and then nothing. Uh, then and you're, sometimes you're beholden to the person at the store level who's going to promote the product. Or? Yes, or whether or not your ad's going to work. Um, and it doesn't matter how, you know, how much science you try to bring into this. There's always this X factor that makes something work, makes something else not work. But you have certainty on distribution up until that point. Uh, and then it's just a, you're, you have to cross the, the chasm on the trust factor. Mm -hmm. um, with influence marketing, the risk is upstream. You have no certainty about distribution. If mm -hmm. your story sucks, if your brand sucks, if you have a bad interaction with an influencer, you're not going to get talked about, or at least not in good terms. Right. Um, but once you get someone to believe that you stand for something important, that you have a good story to tell and a good product to back it up, then you've all, you're already on the other side of that trust factor. And these influencers, if they do their, uh, if they are truly influential, uh, they they're already being trusted by this audience. Mm -hmm. It, you know, one of the things you were mentioning before with the, um, the case with Honda in the UK was it came at the right time. 
my distinct uh, belief is that the this fed upness or the cutting back of mass media budgets is sort of an ongoing phenomenon. There used to be an economic cre- uh, crisis, but now it's sort of everybody's cutting on to the fact that we do need to do other things. So kind of it's the right time now. How do you feel uh, influencer marketing is? Is it something that is, is now more and more prevalent? Is it, is it really gaining traction or is it still, or are we still in early days? Uh, I would say that we are, if you sort of follow, I was mentioning Crossing the Chasm, if you, if you know that book at all, uh, we're now in the early majority stage. Uh, so we're past the, the early adopters um, and we're starting to see all companies running all kinds of influencer programs, some better than others, some more strategic than others, mm-hmm. but everyone is doing it. When I walk into uh, a meeting, I know that the person across from me has someone in their team who's managing a spreadsheet somewhere to track influencers mm-hmm. and try to cater to them in some way, shape, or form. So it's everywhere and it's becoming... Um, very ubiquitous right now. Well, that's good news. So, um, for those of us who are influencers, maybe. But um, all right. So, Tracker, you guys have been around since two thousand and nine. You're uh, you got a platform. You're a technology. Can you tell us what can you tell us about your you know the inside scoop on uh, technology, the the developments you're up against? Uh, for sure. So, uh, just starting with a little background. So, two thousand nine started off Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, now based in San Francisco. Um, we, what our platform does today is it really helps facilitate the process I was describing uh, throughout this conversation. Um, in terms of what's in the pipe for, for us, there are really, um, I'd say, three things that we're working on that we're really excited about. The first one has to do with um, integration into the marketer's workflow. Uh, one thing that uh, really bugs the Jesus out of me is when I look at one of our users' uh, dashboard and they have these 20 tabs or 50 tabs open on their desk, each one with a different product doing a different thing. Uh, The old-school approach has been, uh, well, we'll find a solution that does it all, but it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you want to do something well, you need more than just bells and whistles. You actually need to walk the talk on a specific craft and expertise. So I'm of the mind that all of the providers will need to work a lot harder towards integration Mm -hmm from the user's viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So if you're a marketer, I want to have our users have a seamless experience, right. whether it's on Tracker or another product that they're using and have the data flow, have features being lit up in one place or the next. So that's what we're working on. I'm really excited about uh, some initiatives that we're, uh, we're doing in this space. Uh, the second one has to do with measurement. Uh, there's you know, always the, the question of, of ROI, the, the infamous question of ROI that always cracks me up uh, simply because I used to build media models in the old days. And you know, there's a lot I could tell about uh, the, the accuracy of these media models. The but old ROIs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, it is true that today we're tracking everything and making more sense and going further downstream into the actual value of a relationship and how much should a brand invest in certain people versus others, depending on where they're stand, where they're stack mm-hmm. uh, for that specific brand. Uh, for us, is a big is a big topic that we'll be focusing on. And the third one has to do with what I was mentioning earlier that these, every brand now is starting to uh, to have influencer programs. They usually start very organically, uh, often under the cover. We have a client that they have, where they have, a, they have an after-hour meeting uh, for all the, the, the marketing managers to meet in a dark office. It feels like an AA meeting type of thing. Well, there might be some beer. Uh, <laughs> possibly. So, uh, 
So what we want to do is we want to become a, f a federating agent for, for these programs where we, we, make, we offer a technology solution that, that helps bring all of these craft together, help teams collaborate at a great level across uh, craft, discipline, geography, uh, and language into a single platform so that the right arm knows what the left arm is doing. So collaboration, measurement, integration are three big pillars for us this year. Super. Well, Pierre-Louis, thanks for coming on the show. I mean, there's a few more things I would like to have talked about, but time is of the essence and we all have to deal with that, right? So uh, tell us, Pierre-Louis, what's the best way or how would you like people to contact you or, or follow you? What's the best way? So to get in touch with me personally, the easiest way is to, uh, to go on Twitter. My handle is uh, Pierre-Louis, uh, so it's at P-I-E-R-R-E-L-O-I-C. Uh, and if you want to get in touch or know more about Tracker, just go into our website or our Twitter handle. As I usually say, we are vowel agnostic, so you actually spell Tracker, T-R-A-A-C-K-R. So it's T-R-A-A-C-K-R dot com. Beautiful. Thanks very much. Looking forward to following you. I think it's going to be an exciting year. Thanks much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y. Where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of
Hey friends, this is Jim Knight, former 21-year Hard Rock executive turned best-selling author and top 10 keynote speaker. And I'm Brant Menzwar, former frontman of Hollywood's most dangerous band turned top 10 motivational speaker and best-selling author. We host the how-to podcast, Thoughts That Rock, where we talk to rock stars, athletes, CEOs, astronauts, and even next-door neighbors who share their expertise and opinions. Together, we tackle the most interesting and challenging topics of today. Whether you want to learn how to become more confident, how to deal with anxiety at work, or how to write a hit song, or use Brazilian jiu-jitsu in life, we've got hundreds of episodes to help amp up your life and move you forward. Subscribe to Thoughts That Rock wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out evergreenpodcast.com for more information.